church, you sang great this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, if you would, please take your Bible. If you have your iPad or your iPhone, please take that with you. Grab it as well. And we're going to do our Bible decree this morning. So if you have it, let's, are you proud to have the Word of God? Amen. Amen. So let's hold it high. This is my Bible, God's Holy Word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen and amen. If you would, please take your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, as this will be a part of my four-part series on What a Whale of a Tale. And uh, from Jonah, and I'm... I'm uh, Trying to get everything positioned up here. I have the King James Version as well as the New Living Translation. I love the narrative from the, the New Living Translation as well. But our focus today is on uh, Jonah chapter 2. Last week we talked about Jonah running from God. And this week we're going to talk about Jonah running to God. How many of you have seen people that have just ran away from God? They've deserted God they felt alone, and I started thinking early this morning about 5.45 as I was praying and, and looking over my message. My thought was just this. Prayer is such a powerful tool. And when we get discouraged and we get upset, we have a tendency to run away from God. So many circumstances lead us from that separation that, and that fellowship that hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can have church. I can get up here. I can spit all over the place. I can spread COVID. I can give everybody the coronavirus. But I want you to walk out of here today learning from God's Word. I want you to be encouraged by God's Word and to know that we opened up God's Word where I'm not doing backflips and running on the back of chairs and pews and having a Holy Ghost fit. However... Sometimes I do have a little Holy Ghost fit. But uh, with that being said, I just want you to walk away today understanding that if you have been in a place where you have ran away, God has brought you back to a place where you can have that deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. If He brought you here today, then He has something special for you. Before we move forward, I just want to bring up that... Uh, with us slowly opening up, this is our second week since we opened up the church, and I appreciate everyone respecting one another in regard to uh, social distancing, in regard to if, if people don't want to be hugged, respecting that, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I appreciate that. We are looking, and I see we do have some children here in uh, the sanctuary. We are looking forward to opening up. We, we're hoping by July... Uh, First, to have this back up and running and have the kids back in here running around. I told Pastor Luke, I said, if we need to, uh, we'll, we'll social distance the kids. I mean, how does that work when they're all doing activities and crafts and stuff? But we are working on that. So I just want you to know that uh, it has been a topic of conversation for many churches. Keep them in prayer as many churches are not opening up until July. And uh, I would die. I would die spiritually. And I know how important it is to be in the house of God. You know, 
I was speaking with my stepmom yesterday, and I said, hasn't this just been the most difficult time when you're, when you're separated and you're not around your loved ones? And she said, matter of fact, it is. And, and you start to think, you know, when will you get to see your family? How, how will you be connecting again? And um, my stepmom takes care of her mom, and uh, Grandma Hill's 93 or 94 years old. And so they try to be as careful as they can in regard to her health, and we want to do the same thing here. But I am just grateful to be in the house of God, and I'm, I'm just humbled and loved by each one of you, and I'm, it's just great to be here together. I love looking across the auditorium and, and seeing people, you know, coming together because we have that hope. I mean, if we didn't have the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his love, what would we have? We would have nothing. And so, you know, as I, I look into even the story of Jonah, it just reminds me of being sheltered in place. Boy, was he sheltered in place, wasn't he? He couldn't get out, and if he wanted to, until God intervened and allowed him to be back in, in the population with people, a group of people, but he had a goal and a mission I love what it says here in Jonah chapter 1, and I'm just going to reference this. You don't have to uh, turn to it right now. Uh, it will, probably won't even be up on uh, your screens as well as I didn't put this in, Pastor Luke, so it's okay. I just wanted to kind of reference where it says in verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish. I told you last week to circle from the presence of the Lord, and then he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down, circle that again, into it to go with him unto Tarshish from, you can circle that, from the presence of the Lord. What we've learned from that story is that everything that we do and the thing that hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ is when we turn away, we go away from, we go down to, we're not stepping up. Do you see the visual? If you're not stepping up and becoming closer to Jesus Christ, then you're obviously stepping down and you're sliding down a steep slope. Be very careful. And this, this really is for each and every person in this room, from teenagers to children to adults to seniors. It doesn't matter you know, where you're at in life. Jesus Christ loves you. Matter of fact, in the Scriptures, God used teenagers throughout all of Scripture. So right now is your prime time, and God has something for you that he wants you to learn from today. Before we get into Jonah chapter 2, I want to highlight Psalms chapter 25, verse 4. Psalms chapter 25, verse 4 says this, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. In the scriptures, if you look at that word teach, it can also be translated, instruct me in the ways that you would have me to go. We'll say that, Lord, we need you to show us your ways, but then when he starts to speak to us, and it's not something that we want to do, we have a tendency to want to run away from it. And so when he says there to teach us your ways, instruct us of your ways. How many of you want to just have a deeper relationship with Jesus? How many of you, just like today, as Ron was teaching 
the men and we were going through the, the different characters of the Bible. He went through Noah. Noah found favor with God. David found favor with God. Jonah found favor with God. But that was after they turned their hearts back to God. We have to be careful where our relationship is at. I can have church. We can come and have a religious experience. And then we all walk out of the church and we say things like this. That was so special. That was fluffy. That was... (sighs) Made me feel good. But here's how I want you to walk out of church. God, what is it you were telling me today? I'm hearing from you today. And I've been running away from you. So today I want you to be encouraged and I want you to be challenged to run to God. And if you feel like you've been in this desert place, if you feel that you've lost your way and that God isn't there, I'm here to tell you that our God loves you and He is there for you, with you, fighting, helping you, even in the midst of your disappointment, of your loss, whatever you're going through, God is with you. We hear sermons all the time where He says God is love. But God is love. And He loves you deeper than you can even fathom or imagine. You see, David expressed his desire for guidance. We need to realize that God's primary guidance system is in His Word. Just like David, Jonah was at a crossroads in his life. He had to seek God's guidance. Jonah was at this crossroad where he had to obey the commands. But Jonah ran. He ran away from God, but paid dearly for it. But we're going to learn today, but prayer and praise brought Jonah back to the will of God. I don't want to be outside of God's will. I want to be in His perfect will. Do you want to be in His perfect will? Do you believe that where you're at right now on this journey, that you are in His perfect will? For your life. And if you're not, may I encourage you to get into your word. Get on your knees and start praying. And you will start to see God reveal himself to you. You will know it without a shadow of a doubt. Last week we read in Jonah chapter 1 that Jonah's call was personal. Our call is personal. Yet Jonah's call was specific. He knew he had to go to Nineveh. God's call always has a great purpose. But Jonah had a difficult time with it. So what did he do? He just ran away. He ran away. And then he was thrown overboard. We know this story. We've heard this story 500 times. How many of you have ever gone snorkeling in this room? If you've ever gone snorkeling, it is the most magnificent sight. Now, for me, it's very difficult sometimes to go snorkeling because I have to make sure that that piece that goes over your nose closes my nose. Now, here I was a water skier. Here I kneeboarded. Here I was on a lake all the time. And they would all laugh at me because as soon as all of a sudden I'm going around that one slalom ball you know, doing that, that pose where the rooster tails 
going, you know, I was tournament and everything. Just kidding. I really wasn't. And I was shaking like this, going across that wake. As soon as I would cut that, if you've ever slalom skied, you know, you're, you're going around the, the balls out there on the slalom course. And so I would, I always, I was great on my one pull. But as soon as I came around that other, the other side of the ball, I'd have to pull hard. So you pull down by your hip and then you go shooting across the water. So I did really well going across my left, got to the right. I wanted to plane out. And if you've ever water skied, you would know. But as soon as I would hit that, that wake, and we ski behind Ski Nautiques and Ski Supremes, and they're known for a smaller wake. But, so, but I would get behind that boat, and as soon as I went to go around that, that ball go shooting across to the right, I would start to plane out my ski. And as I did, what is funny is that I would, you know, I'd crash, roll, tumble, going to, you know, shattering 150 pieces. Don't want to do that if you're 50, but you can do it if you're 18. And so uh, as that would happen, I would immediately grab my nose. They would laugh because to this day, I can drown in the shower. I'm like this when I'm, I'm washing my face, you know, I'll shave, I'll get in there. And I'm like this. <laughs> And every time I do it, I gain this courage. I'm like, you can do it. You can do it every single day. I take a shower. Now, we're in the Bahamas, or Cancun. I want to snorkel. I want to get around where there's all of the, the pretty fish that go in and out and all the beautiful scenery. I want to snorkel. But I'm thinking to myself, self, how are you going to do this? Because you're holding your nose like this. And you got the thing out this, and you can't swim like this. So I thought I'll change my position. The other hand, that didn't work either. And then you try to pinch it like this. That looked silly. That didn't work. So I found one that was actually so tight that I could put it on my nose. And then I started breathing through my mouth. Then a panic attack, anxiety, and everything else came about. That was not a fun experience. And I know what it's like. When you start to go underneath that water, the scenery can look great, but the experience can be catastrophic. It just takes one little, and you're a goner. When I watch people dive off the side of that boat, and they've got all that heavy equipment on the back of them, it isn't just snorkeling. That is deep sea freaking me out. I can't even watch it on TV. That is out of control. That I, I look at that tank on the back of I thought This isn't even in my message, but I just thought I'd share this with you. Um, that tank on the back, I just think, just like Jonah, when they threw him overboard, he went sinking farther and farther and farther down to the depths and to the bottom of the sea. I wonder if Jonah felt somewhat like me. I just wanted to kind of put that snorkeling little story out. What about if he had to hold his breath? What about if we had all these things? Remember, he was a son of a great mother and father. He was a relative to so many people, yet God just used him as an individual, as one person. And God says, I have a plan for you, Jonah. You have a story to tell and you have a city to save. And, and he said, I just can't do it. You see, the sailors took Jonah, threw him far out over the side of the ship, and down he went into the cold water. 
At first you may have managed to hang on to some of the floating debris and had been cast overboard. Praise God for the stuff that's in the ocean. So he said, I'll just hang here, hang out by myself and save my life. But yet the scripture says that big, bad, giant fish or monster or whatever it was, and I'll show you, it doesn't say whale, but however, came up. So just when the storm seemed to be subsiding, he sensed a new danger. He saw a large, dark object under the water coming toward him. Dun, 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 dun. No, it's not Jaws. This is the story of Jonah and the big, bad whale. Okay. His worst fears were realized when he saw that this cadaverous, cavernous mouth was wide open. It was right under him. The water under him swirled like water going down a drain. A strong whirlpool sucked him down between giant jaws right into the belly of that water monster. It was the worst possible nightmare for Jonah, but when he thought he could save himself by clinging to some of the crates and floating boards, here comes sure death. But Jonah was dead wrong. What he feared the most was actually sent by a loving God to be his personal Savior. The whale was a symbol of Christ. You know, we are still like Jonah today. How often we fear the wrong things. How often we fear the wrong things. And the next time you get into a terrible crisis, just try to surrender yourself totally to God and trust in Him. Allow God to save you in His own time and in His own way. God brings men and women and children into deep waters. Not to drown them, but that they might be cleansed. Had Jonah been able to save himself that day and swim to the shore, he probably would have never gone to Nineveh. Its citizens would all have been lost. And God's will would not have been done. Read with me in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Did Jonah pray to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish? He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. In verse 4, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. I love verse 9. That I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. For many of us with light hearts, for others with a heavy heart. And Lord, I just pray that today that you'll lift our spirits Know that there is help and there is hope in the midst of a storm. So, Father, we know that for many that are in this room have gone through storms themselves. 
But Jesus, we know the, the narrative. Even with Peter, you walked on the water to save your disciples. And in the heart and the heartbeat of that fish, you saved a man who then continued to go tell a story of your amazing grace. So God, today, speak to all of our hearts. Let us learn from your word. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I love this joke. God asked Jonah what he was doing traveling inside a whale. He replied, Nineveh business, God. Okay. I just thought I'd put that out there for you. Okay. I had some other good ones too, but I, I just for sake of time, because we threw in a song, I only have a few minutes, so we've got to get moving here. God used a fish to preserve his runaway prophet. God did not want to kill Jonah. He wanted to save him. The belly of a great well is not a happy place to live nor reside or need to be, or to be sheltered in place. But it was a healthy place to learn. Jonah learned more at the bottom of the sea than some students learn at seminary. The well had enrolled him in the most important school of his whole life. In this floating school, Jonah learned a lifetime of lessons. We do not learn very many spiritual lessons on the mountaintop. But unfortunately, it seems like we learn them best down in the depths of the valley. So here's what it says in verse 17 of Jonah chapter 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Was it a whale? Nowhere in the Bible or the book does it ever say that it was a whale. It says it was a great fish. In Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus says, Ketos meaning a great sea creature, not necessarily a well, but today I'm going to call it a well, and we know the story that it was a well. I have sat and thought about that just a little bit, and I thought to myself, well, if I saw some dark shadow or creature coming at me underneath. I, I do remember a story when I was my first time in Florida. Here I go. I'm going down that rabbit trail, but I, I'll be back. Uh, I was in Fort Lauderdale, and at Fort Lauderdale, I'm out there sunbathing. I didn't know. I was unfamiliar with the, the wonderful ocean and the sea and all the glory that comes with it. Man, majesty. Worship is majesty. I couldn't believe how awesome it was. And there I was, food for a shark. And I thought at the time, you know, this is great. So you're out there. I thought you could just like, it was like being on the lake. I'd water skied, but I'm 18 years old and enjoying this journey. And as I was uh, laying out there on my little air raft, like I said, looking delicious to whatever animals are underneath me, creatures, mammals, whatever they are, I looked to my right as I was getting my tan on. And I see a shore full of people. And they're jumping up and down. And they're saying, you, get out of there. I'm thinking to myself, oh, what are those people doing way up there? I didn't know because I had floated out and floated out and floated out. As all I heard was, you, get out of there. I looked back over to my left and I saw something I never want to see before. There was Jaws. He was by my raft. The lifeguard had his little flags going all over the place. And you guys wouldn't believe it, but I did it as fast as I could. I took that raft. I was doing one of those, yeah, get me out of here. 
It almost reminds you of the times when you feel like you're by yourself and you're asking yourself, where is God? What is happening? And you're saying, where are you, God? I don't feel you. I don't even sense your presence. But you know He's there. And then all of a sudden, you know that your Christian brothers and sisters are cheering you on. And they're like, you've got this. You can do it. They're waving flags. Get out of there. So you're, ah, start getting out of there. It's crazy. I bet you that's how he felt. Now listen to these statistics. If the fish was quite large, over 100 feet long and up to 150 tons, that is one and a half tons per foot. So let's see. One whale is as large as 50 elephants. In fact, a newborn whale is 25 feet long and weighs as much as two full-grown elephants. Whales are larger by far than any dinosaur ever hoped to be. Help me, Jesus. No wonder I was screaming like a little girl trying to get out of those waters. I don't want to be anywhere that there's any type of sea monster ever again. Here's another story for you. Why am I going with all my stories here this morning? We are going to stick to the text, but I want to show you, show you something. I am out there again. I didn't learn my lesson the first time. And now that's why I used my, my daughters when they were little. I'm like, you go play out there. They could be bait first. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean that. Just kidding. And so, anyhow, <laughs> the girls are like, see, you thought, you're like, they're waving. Have fun, girls. Enjoy yourself. Just kidding. <laughs> They'll be like, we knew Dad sacrificed this. Well, he said he'll bring forth his sacrifice. So I, just kidding. All right, back on task here. So I'm in the water. I thought I learned my lesson at 18, but now I'm 21 years of age in Myrtle Beach. I'm back out in the scary, scary sea. I'm underneath. We're all having a good time. Friends, family, sister, brother-in-law, Gina, Tony, they're out there. Tony's about 50 feet away from me. I go under the water, and as I come jumping out to jump over that, you know, big, massive, 20-foot, just kidding, three-foot wave. <laughs> as I came out of the water, I came out like this, and I thought at that moment my arm was cut off. That's what it felt like. Now, this is a true story. And so as I came up out of that water, I looked down and this tentacle had wrapped around my arm. A Portuguese man of war is what the lifeguard said. Well, I wanted to do all kinds of things like, ah, get me out of here. Well, I had no raft. But then I, when I came up like this and I looked down and I went, ah, get that off of me, Tony. goes, I'm not touching that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey says, as it just continues to suck the life right out of me. And I'm doing one of these now. You know how, what, what is with us? One pain causes another pain. We, we cut ourselves, and then we take our thumb, and we're like, this hurts so bad. And before long, you got more pain here than you had on your little, you know, hangnail or your paper cut, whatever it was. But anyhow, it had wrapped around me and so I finally took my hand and ripped it off of me, but it left, and I still have a scar here, it left the ugliest purple and black scar that you've ever seen. Okay. 
You weren't even born yet. Not now, back then. Ask, ask your wonderful Aunt Becky. She'll tell you. Was that the ugliest scar? Help me out here, honey. Okay. And it got real big. It was huge. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm crazy, aren't I? So anyhow, we, we got it taken care of. I suffered for days. They say put meat tenderizer on it and to pee on it and do all kinds of stuff. See, I don't even know why I'm saying this kind of stuff. But anyhow, we, we nursed ourselves back together. And I will show you my scar because I have scars from war. Anyhow. Any, all right, I'm going to stay on task. We have a few minutes and we are going to be done and out of here today, okay? Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So every time I think of this story, I always think the big, dark, dark ocean. But really, it's fun. It's safe. Don't worry about the hundred of, you know, stingray that went by my feet just a few years ago. I wasn't alarmed at all. That's when I was walking on water. And then they told me that that doesn't happen either. Should I keep going about all my experiences in the water? Okay, no wonder I've retired from all that. Now I just sit six stories high on a balcony and look down and go, oh, what a beautiful scenery. However, Jonah didn't have that opportunity. Jonah's opportunity was not like mine was. However, he was in the belly of the well. And so here Jonah, in Jonah chapter 2, it says that Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And I like what it says here. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction out of the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I. And you heard my voice. Jonah called God. We have pagers. We have ham radios, cellular phones, and satellites, but I don't know of anybody who has a phone that can make a call from the inside of a well on the bottom of the sea. But Jonah called God. He called God's personal number. And our kind, helpful, ever-present God answered him. And at that moment, they had a very long talk because he had three days in there and there wasn't anybody else to talk to. So after Jonah, it was never the same. Because what we learn from this narrative today is that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things, mainly us. Do you hear me, church? Prayer changes things. Jonah, the world's first submarine passenger, thought his greatest need was to escape this underwater Alcatraz. But God knew his greatest need was a new heart. Through prayer, Jonah found a saving relationship with God. Jonah's prayer chapel was nothing like what you're experiencing today. It was smelly. It was damp. It was dark. And it was dingy. You can pray wherever you are, in your car, at work, at home, but Jonah should have spent more time in prayer at home by the Sea of Galilee. How much easier it would have been if he had remembered to pray before he stepped up to the ticket booth at Joppa. It is never too late to pray. When you have gone down to the very depths of life, God will still listen. When you've gone down to the very depths of life, God will still listen. In verses 3 through 6, it reads, For you have cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about, all the billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. 
The waters compassed me, covered me, even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. So we start to see here to the roots of the mountains. How deep did Jonah go? How deep is the Mediterranean Sea? 14,436 feet. I don't know how deep that underwater taxi even took Jonah. But it was deeper than any living human being had ever been. You could be well below the bottom of the barrel, and if you repent and ask God and trust Him, God will save you and help you get out of there. Verse 5 says that the seaweed was wrapped around his head. Jonah was adorned with a turban of smelly seaweed. The claustrophobia was terrible. The shelter in place he thought he would never, ever, 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 ever get out of. That's how I felt over the last three months. Breathing was very hard. He was at the end. What do you do when you're at the end of your circumstances? Jonah prayed. And it is vital here to understand what Jonah prayed. And as I studied his prayer, I made an amazing discovery. It's an amazing discovery. This is fantastic. As far as I can tell, Jonah did not use one original thought or one original request in his whole prayer. Jonah simply prayed the Word of God. He prayed the Scriptures. Almost a dozen times in these eight verses, he quotes from the book of Psalms. Watch this. Psalms chapter 120 says, I called on the Lord in my distress. Psalms 86, you have, dis- you have delivered my soul from the depths. Psalms 88, you cast me into the dark depths. Psalms 42, the roar of your waves has swept over me. Psalms 31, I am cut off from your sight. Psalm 69, the waters have come up to my neck. Psalm 69, I am in deep waters, the floods engulf me. Psalms 30, you brought me up from the pit. Friend, can you see what Jonah was doing? He was standing on the promises. Jonah had hid the word in his heart. He prayed the scriptures. He had memorized much of the Bible. And in his time of crisis, God saved him. Without the Bible, our prayers have no direction. Psalms 119 says, delight in God's word and meditate on it. Hide God's word in your heart. Why are some of our prayers unanswered? Could it be that too few of us have been alone with God and his word long enough to retain anything from on which to stand? If you're not spending time with God, your storm is coming. And when it does, what will you have to cling to? When the storms of life come, what will you have to cling to? Jonah was in the whale. Job was on his dunghill. Joseph was in the pit. David was in a cave. Paul and Silas were in a jail, chained to prison guards, but at midnight they sang a song that opened the prison doors in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Pastor Luke, you can just put it up on the the screen if you would. For those that are listening and watching from home, they can see it. I won't go to it, but I love the narrative of what happened here. 
Those two men were in a prison cell. But here's what I learned from their experience. The jailer had locked them down. They were in the depths of their life. Things were not looking good for them. So they decided to start praising the Lord and praying. Till the storm passes over. Till the thunder sounds no more. What was happening here, they just started singing songs like, I'm sure, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Now think about this. So, so now they're singing. They're, just, they're praising the Lord, and immediately... The story says there was thunder. Things started to happen and immediately the chains fell off. It's much like our story of Jonah. He realized that in the depths of his bondage, that behind those prison doors, that he needed to start singing. I'm all shook up. Oh, he didn't sing. I'm free. I need to be free. He needed to start singing, I need to get out of here, but God, you are in control. And I'm out of control today, aren't I? Okay. Hey, sometimes I get like this, you know, when you preach like this every week. But here's what I love that took place. One is prayer and the other is praise. He was singing down in the belly of the well. And after he gave his heart to God, he had peace. He praised his Creator. He surrendered to the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God was and is acknowledged. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. We're not especially to thank God for wells' bellies but we can certainly thank Him in the well's belly. So as I close, about this time, Nineveh started to look real good. There inside the well, Jonah was incarcerated, solitary confinement, cut off from the whole world, locked away, doomed to die, but prisoners do have freedom to make one phone call. Jonah makes a 72-hour phone call. He talks to God for three days, and it changes his whole life. He prays. And in verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, But I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray that, that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. You see, this was a prayer of God's sovereignty. A final surrender to God's plan and prayer of faith for deliverance. What a glad day when we stop trying to deliver ourselves. Listen to me, church. We serve a God who is in the delivery business. You see the advertisements that say we deliver. But I think we should all say that God delivers. It should be all over our Facebook pages. 
Not all the other nonsense that we're seeing right now in social media. Unless God comes through, we are sunk. There is no rescue apart from Him. The only way out of the whale, the only way out of His prison, the only way that Jonah could get out of his shelter in place was one name. And he cried out. And he called out to the name of God. Save me. Save me. Jonah could no more save himself than we can save ourselves. And today Jesus wants to save each and every one of us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, you may have retired, but you're never retired from Jesus. We have a message to share, a gospel to spread. Give your life to Jesus today, right now. Don't wait till the giant sea monsters of life have swallowed you up. Come to Jesus. Accept Jesus now as your personal Savior. I had a choice. I'm 15 years old. And I was sitting much where Julie was at. And when that missionary was preaching from Papua New Guinea, I thought, wow, what a great message of surrender. What a great message of surrender. I kept thinking it in my head. And I remembered that the altar call that I stood up and I remember just there was folding chairs that were there in Indiana. And I remember just touching the back of it and God said, what are you doing? I started looking around like, who in the world is talking to me? And it was at that moment that God started to show himself 15 years old. And right then, I surrendered. He said, Todd, you've got to surrender to my will and my way. And I thought, holy moly, what is that looking like? I need you to go to Nineveh. What is that looking like? Is that Africa? I really thought that in my... I mean, now I, I'm always... Do you guys deliberate? Or am I the only one in the room that sometimes deliberate? Is this for real or is this fake? I, I do it. Hey, there's a message. Real or fake? i got to start planning that one. And... Uh, for real. Get it? Uh, so at, at that moment, I stepped up where Julie was at and I walked down. And I remember going to the altar just as clear as if I closed my eyes right here. And I said, God, use me. God, take me on this journey. God, reshape me. Help me to be yours. And I'll never forget that feeling, that light feeling when I stood up from that altar, from just crying out to God, scared to death, thinking, where in the world is Nineveh? What am I doing here right now? But as I stood up, there was a peace that overcame me. And I know you've experienced the same thing. And if you're in this room and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and you have been seeking God, I want you to know that you're not in the belly of that well by yourself. God's with you. You're in that perfect comfort right where God wants you, laying out all over the place, no matter what you're tangled up in, no matter what mess that you feel that you have caused, 
that has put you there, our Deliverer, Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of Almighty God, is ready and waiting to deliver you. Will you surrender to Him today? Let's stand as we pray. Father, we just love You and we thank You that today, Lord, we can come before You. We thank You that we can cry out to You. We realize that in Psalms 121, Lord, it says, My help comes from You. You are the maker of heaven and earth. I pray that right now, God, that if we're feeling a sense of no hope, that we will look towards You. We will look to the God, the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of love. Deliver us, God. Help us. Remove that burden from us. Remove the heaviness from our lives, our shoulders, our hearts. Lord, deliver us today. We surrender to Your will. We surrender to Your way. Put aside our pride. Help us, Father, to be used in a powerful way, even if we have to stand alone doing it. God, help us. God, I know, I feel it in my spirit that today You are speaking to somebody in this room to surrender to preach. To surrender to be used for your glory. They've been struggling with it. So God, right now in your divine nature, press upon that individual. Let them know that you will help them in the days ahead. God, I thought, how could I ever preach a message? How can I even put together a three-point message? Will they ever take me serious? Will I be able to communicate your word the way that you describe it and have used great men from the Gospels to be able to speak it and to write it. But God, I realized that when I finally got to the end of myself, I got to the beginning of you. So God, help us to surrender our lives to you, to give our hearts to you, and help us to run to you, God. We don't want to run away. We want to run to you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Deliver each and every one of us. And if there's somebody in this room that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior today. I ask this in the most holy name of Jesus. Amen.